0: I've given up guessing exactly what Apple will and won't show until something actually leaks.
1: Right, okay. Well, maybe they were talking about air power.
2: <laughs> you know, something that they're demoing that could work. Yeah.
1: Hey okay, everybody, welcome to episode two hundred and forty two of the More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And roll at the carpets, red carpets, you know, let the banners unfurl. We have once again <laughs> Drew Freeman from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the show.
0: All the way from Steeler Country, yes, indeed.
1: Steelers, go Steelers. <laughs> yes, and of course, you know. So we missed it we missed making a big fuss for episode forty two, right? We missed making a big fuss for episode one forty two. And I'm sure people are gonna to argue with me that 242 isn't a significant number, but it's got 42 in it, right? So I think that's an auspicious number. Don't you think <laughs> it's an auspicious number? No?
2: Yeah. I mean... Douglas Adams thought so. It's a recorded format. Is not to say we couldn't go in and do special editions like George Lucas and make a big deal about it. <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. We can we, can,
1: we, can, we can edit this, re-edit this one after we're done, for sure. We can come back like a year or two from now. Yeah. Well, I guess that means I have to I have a certain pick I have to put in now Now that I've said that. All then. All right. So hi mate,
2: welcome back. Um, how was England? It was great. Uh, Conference was great. Uh, My talk went well, Uh, despite me not remembering most of it. I almost sort of feels like I blacked out when I gave it, but people seem to like it. I've seen the video. I think I did a a pretty good job and the country and people were great. It's just overall brilliant. Yeah. Well, of course I have a, a strange affinity
1: for it because I was born there, you know.
2: Okay, so do we have any Ask MTJC? The first one is from friend of the show and sometimes former guest host, Gregory Archibald Heo, who says, uh, two things I shouted into the phone while listening. One, violin tuning is G-D-A-E. Pretend you're an Australian saying g'day to remember. G'day. Two, classic cocoa strings are backed by either ASCII or UTF-16. And then he has helpfully provided a link to the Apple developer docs. Mm-hmm. Good to know. All right, what else we got? This one is from you. that says, oh, really? Uh, quote, can we cuss on your podcast? <laughs> is far and away my favorite question and that looks like that's a reference to uh, David oaken on runabout
1: no actually it's not I was listening to another podcast um I think one of Malcolm Gladwell's podcasts and somebody actually said that can can we did did that uh, yeah I guess David did ask if he could if he could drop you know certain words or whatever
2: yeah drop some bombs on there
1: yeah yeah but uh, we don't often get asked if we're going to do that here on this show we I think it just kind of happens organically but but yeah on, on roundabout we've had some some colorful colorful language used from time to time so yeah you may anyway, cool okay so i guess we'll go with jaime first you've got something here
2: about a certain blog yeah um this is by dave verwer who actually i met at code mobile and he also gave a couple talks there that is he uh, english or american or i I don't know about originally but he certainly seemed to be english now um okay (laughs) you (laughs) know like he's lived there long enough he's you know he's picked up a bit of an accent Uh, i assume i I don't know (laughs) you've caught me with my with no no notes ready to answer this question um yeah, I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume he's English. But uh, yeah, so he's got a blog post entitled Saying Goodbye to App Review Times. So we've definitely talked about appreviewtimes.com a lot. I think it was a pick of the week way back in the day for us. And we've certainly mentioned it when there have been uh, big swings or, you know, patterns we've noticed in terms of apps taking longer, especially around WWDC and iOS uh, release dates. And I think in most recent years, we've talked about, like, wow, it's like actually pretty solid, like a day or two yeah. app gets through review. And that's kind of the gist of this blog post saying yeah it isn't really relevant anymore um in the days where apple is reviewing things rather quickly so there's a little bit of a description of the history of it i didn't realize it had been around since 2011 it's quite a long time and uh, history of like oh yeah this is why it's coming to an end and you know it was great in its time it's no longer mm-hmm. you know having a need and it'll be sad to see it go but i 100 understand the you know just all the good things come to an end sure sure cool all right uh you have something for us here is right
0: right yeah the on again, Again, love affair between BBEdit and the App Store seems to be on again. BBEdit said they were going to be coming back to the App Store, and now with all the sandboxing limits, they are finally coming back in. But it looks like they're also going to be trying out all the different purchasing methods with the per month, per year, or the perpetual licensing fee. But they've had the problem in the past where you could not actually have a an app in the App Store that would load in an entire package that would do its own install once it was installed. So I guess... I guess that has changed as well. And there are a few other apps that are also going to be joining back onto the App Store. Uh, I think uh, the Office Suite will be coming back as well as uh, Panix Transmit and Lightroom CC. So a lot of those apps that they said back in 2018 were coming back to the App Store. BBEd is uh, now doing it. The rest of them are coming now.
1: Reason I moved This this was originally posted in Main Stories, but I moved into the follow-up because this is actually follow-up for our show because for a while there, what did we call it? The Mac, Mac App Store Exodus, I think it was? Back in the day, like probably twenty fourteen, there was mm-hmm. a lot. We talked a lot about BB Edit's mm-hmm. decision to leave and the other few other apps. And BB Edit is my editor, my text editor of choice if Yay. I'm using a GUI. So um, yeah, I have stickers from MacWorld and I have a pin that I wear on my lapel. And
0: I love to, now. Rich things. Siegel has had that app stay alive for as many iterations as it has. It's yeah, it's like a version ten or twelve now, isn't
1: it? Yes, it is. Yeah, I think it's just coming up to twelve. And um, I mean, I love it now because I don't even bother saving documents anymore because He's now using the containers, you know, the, the uh, uh, Mac OS containers to save things. So I just, you know, I do save files that I want to keep, obviously, but I like that I can use it as a, a scratch pad and, you know, yeah. quit and restart my Mac and whatever, and everything just reopens. It's great. So, yeah, it's one of my, you know, obviously my favorite app, and I've used it with, with uh, it has some code hinting in it, and, you know, you can choose the different types of um, documents that are like if you're using, if you're doing Fastlane, for instance, which may may become important in a couple of weeks, I'm not sure, but but um, uh, if you're doing fastlane, you can choose Ruby, and then it basically highlights all the the text as you know as using Ruby uh, styling, right? So
0: the recent uh, the recent major update had the Swift coloration finally added in.
1: Oh, doesn't? Okay, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it, it's 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 uh, I, I use it endlessly for for complex regular expressions, especially when I'm yeah, of course, yeah, when I'm trying to do greps replaces. Uh, and the fact that it has the, uh, the it, it's it's not a terminal, but it's sort of a terminal. Right. Worksheet that lets you effectively put together small shell scripts and run them. And if, say, you're trying to rename a whole bunch of files, I think one of the one of the things that I've used it the most for is I'll have a a base icon, and then I'll do a regex replace to have it duplicate up all the icon numbers that I would need for, say, an app icon, and it just does cp's and creates and does all the files right on the spot for me.
1: Yeah, I, I use it every week for this podcast. As in fact, I use it. They used to use it more and. In- I'm used. I still use it for keyword and tagging stuff like that, and um, but yeah, I was using it for the actual HTML code for a long time. Um, now we're with a provider that does a lot of linking for me. So, but yeah, it's, BBEdit's been on my Mac since I don't know ninety something, and and uh, same. Yeah, I've strayed, but I've always I've always I've always got a copy of BBEdit running in the background somewhere for sure. Yeah, so I was happy when they were on the Mac App Store. I, you know, I still like I, still, I have a paid version of BBEdit. I should, I should let you know. I mean, like there is there was a BBEdit Light for a while and if it's still around but um you could run bb edit and, and just use it for free and i did for many years and then i realized well i'm actually making a living using this app so i just started paying for it and then when it went to the mac app store i bought a bought a, a license there and then it seemed kind of unfair and i could see why he wanted to leave the store because there was no up, there is no upgrade path right so i think he's going to come back and try subscriptions out i think you were saying right yeah what, you said he was coming back for oh, another reason oh oh oh, the, uh, the the sandboxing what's what's the deal with that and you i just clicked i sandboxing. just
0: closed the uh, just close the article.
2: Oh well, I can open it. There's two. Well, he's looking on. at that. I'm looking at the other part of the article that says mm-hmm. uh, so you can buy available. Sorry, directly on their website for 49.99. Okay, good. Uh, US or on the Mac App Store, uh, free download, and then the subscription price is three uh, 3.99 a month or 39.99 per year. Mm, okay.
0: So yeah, back in February, BB Edit updated itself to be a fully sandboxed app, which is one of the things that's required, and the sandbox limits their ability to, to get uh, the extra software from working or getting any malicious software from working on the system.
1: Right, but does that mean, like, so I used to use it and in integrated with Interarchy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would if I was going to use, like, if I, I grab an FTP file from a server, I could have it open in Edit and I could have it right back when I did my saves, right, and through the FTP mechanism, but and that hasn't been working for a while, and I know there's an issue with, i not sure it's High Sierra or, or um, Mojave security, and I hopefully, he said he mentioned a while back he was going to figure that out but uh.
0: did you turn on permission for bb edit to have access to files and folders uh
1: maybe that's what i'm missing yeah
0: yeah check your What's security something? settings for bb edit and see that it has permission to access everything because that's part of the whole with the sandboxing is that sandboxing says well i can only access my own document area but with bb edit you want to be able to just open i mean the fact that you can open files neither text or in in hex you know yeah there's a if you go into your security and privacy there's a privacy tab and then there's one called full disk access.
1: Yeah that's what I was asking about. I don't like I said I don't see that one as an option. Oh do you have to hit add or something maybe?
0: Yeah you add in edit to that.
2: Cool. All right. What's next? This is follow up, not because we've talked about it before, but because I listened to last week's episode Uh-oh. when I was out. and you sure it's, you, not Tim, check, <laughs> it's not a fact check then? It's not a fact check. This was related to your, uh, vaguely related to your foibles, your machine that has uh, melted down. Oh, uh, yes. I don't think you yourself, just given your experience, will make use of this, but there are many people who do. And what I'm talking about is the fact that Apple used to charge a $99 data migration fee for right. uh, moving your yeah. data over to. New Macs and repairs, but beginning April 2nd. So, already now, as of this recording, there is no cost for data migrations with the purchase of a new Mac or data transfers with a repair.
1: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, they're helping people out with that sort of thing.
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a drag. I've been to the app store and stood in line and like a, like a, you know, an animal and, um, listen to them tell people, you know, make sure you back up your data before you come in and, you know, and, oh, I'm sorry, your phone can't be restored and here's a new one. We were, and they they hand them a replacement and they'll, the look of horror on the person's face when they when they when it dawns on them some of them don't, some of them never dawns on them that that their data has got to be recovered from somewhere right and not everybody's using iCloud backup for phones for instance and and you know like like me um, you know I lost you know basically my all my current work when my when my drive melted down right and and thankfully because I'm I've been doing this for a while I've I've got like 17 backups versions right so um, and timely ones right so I'm glad they're doing this at least now for free right
2: yeah and I'm- I'm hoping that at some future point apple will make it so that iCloud backups are just a normal thing or you know let's say like size of the drive or or even if not full size of the drive because the operating system takes a firm. i like i'm sure they could do studies of like all right here's how much data people generally produce and have on their machine that they would right, not yeah. want to lose and and just make that the free tier and then make the paid tier for oh all right you're a professional photographer you've got a bazillion photos okay here you go pay us for the terabyte level of service
1: yeah i mean uh, the one thing apple the apple's iCloud doesn't back everything up right it, it doesn't back up um music files that can be restored from other services or it doesn't back up applications which of course can be restored whereas like you know say carbon copy Cloner or time machine backup are actually backing up everything that that's uh viable on your system right so right. Well, like i mean I, I do a lot of development so I have folders in inside the the like the the websites are inside the library system you know folder right and those generally aren't part of a uh, the the friendly apple I'm doing air quotes Friendly Apple backup kind of stuff, right? So, um, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. if I do restore, I have to make sure like my SQL databases don't necessarily get restored automatically, right? Which is why I do the carbon copy cloner backups and crash plan and stuff like that as well. But yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a pain. It's a pain point for people, you know, because does nothing last forever? I mean, like I've had this SSD drive, and you know, this is the first time I've had an SSD drive um, fail on me. I've had you know USB drives fail, but not uh, like thumb drives and stuff. But not uh, not something I rely on every day, right? I expect mechanical hard drives to die all the time you know
2: yeah yeah the the life the expected life for ssds is presumably a lot longer with no, no mechanical moving parts um, well
1: there but there is a finite number number of saves you can do on an ssd drive that's another factor that's people don't that people don't aren't aware about right so so there is a day the day of reckoning is coming as my one of my accountant friends who used to always say right so alrighty. um so this was uh this just came out that we talk about this every year when it comes out and this is the um stack overflow developer surveys this 2019 um, and some interesting things. We usually look to see where Swift and Objective C and, and uh, Mac people are, what they're doing. And of course, this is one where uh, when Greg was on the show, he used to love talking about this stuff. Right? So have you guys had a chance to paw through this uh, this year's results?
0: I always love looking at the list that says years since learning to code. <laughs> oh yeah, because now I've dropped into one percent, gr- yeah, one percent range. You and me both, but well, I started when I was 11, so it's it's coming up on 40 years since I first really? touched wow. code. Well, wow.
2: how about you, honey? I am. Uh, let's see. The current age. I guess it's twenty years since like writing first line of code.
0: Nine percent of users said they're in the twenty year range. The, the The largest one was five to nine years since they learned to code. And that's thirty one percent. Professional developers, not all
2: respondents. Right, right, right. Yeah, as always. Um, if Dr. Mark Rubin was here, he would say, "Well, you know, self selecting survey, so you got to take a little <laughs> bit of grain of salt." Which is true, because the the you know the people who uh, responded tended to over be people who have Stack Overflow accounts. And Stack Overflow itself says like 99% of all its traffic is not signed in accounts. So just normal people looking to get an answer and get away from the website, go on for their lives. So there's it, it, it's a it's a very sort of narrow slice. It's not going to be, I think, broadly applicable, but it is an interesting set of data because they do have a lot of data here. It, it skews younger. Uh, a lot of it was like people who had largely come out of university, bachelor of science, computer science degrees within the mm-hmm. last, you know, five to 10 years so that's the, and, and predominantly from uh, a lot of stuff from the west united states in particular so yeah. it doesn't fully represent everybody uh with like women and non-binary in particular in terms of the, the numbers but it, it is you know a set of data that we can look at and i think it's got some interesting points here
1: yeah i like the one uh, here about other types of education like how basically developers are lifelong learners 90 percent of them all of all developers say they've taught themselves to to code or learn a language that's an interesting interesting statistic yeah, gender has always been a tricky one here too, right? Let's look at professional developers here. Yeah, seven point five percent women. That's not not good. We have to we have to get at the girls in middle school when they start to learn to lose their interest in development.
0: Right? Uh, STEM and STEAM has been doing much much better over the past few years.
1: Yeah, it'll catch up, I'm sure. Let's see where's we'll of the languages. It's always fun. Does it, is it? Do they cover that here? They have sexual they, orientation they do, for the second year. Oh, go for it, Drew.
0: I was just saying they have the second. They have sexual orientation for the second year.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But everything is still, still pretty much. You know, it, it hasn't broken into, uh, into, into. Uh, I think representative percentages that represent the, the countries or the pl- or the planet as a whole. Still,
1: mm-hmm. it's interesting to see who the the individual person who had the most influence in tech this year. Elon Musk at thirty percent. Jeff Bezos at seven. Satya Nadella at four. Me or myself
0: <laughs> at two point five percent.
1: Yes, and, and that was and,
2: hilarious. Uh, that enough people to register as not just a full percentage point, but multiples of percentages points yeah yeah. we're like oh me i'm like really who's answering these Look, looking at programming languages,
1: Objective-C is down at 5% now, and JavaScript obviously is the highest, which is, I guess that's web, right?
0: I um, love that Swift and Kotlin are almost neck and neck.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pretty I've, close, you know, top 10 ranking there. Python uh, moved up quite a bit. Uh, kind of makes sense just given how pervasive it is in academia as well as, I think, growing interest in uh, machine learning and data science programs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, JS no is kicking butt in
1: uh, other frameworks, libraries, and tools. Uh, let's see. Platforms, ooh, lots of Linux and Windows, lots of Docker.
0: Pretty much shows you that Lamp is still a fairly prominent thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, and dread. I think this was dreaded. Um, Objective C is number two in the most, one of the most dreaded languages.
2: That one I, I don't really like. Okay, I get um, Visual Basic. Like that's totally that makes sense. I don't. I don't get why Objective C ranks so high in the dreaded. I don't know. That's it's a little it's weird it's to me.
1: It's got such a bad rep since everybody's. Everybody's. I think when I talk to young developers, a lot of them think, okay, well, I'm, I'm here to learn Swift and you know, they 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 fear Objective C, right? As as a this sort of strange otherworldly language, right?
2: I mean, I I can get it in some respects in terms of uh, having done Objective C as my you know my bread and butter for a long time. It was you know it has some really nice things about it. It has some real awful warts. But you know, when I'm enjoying life with Swift, and then occasionally just hating everything and wanting to just burn the entire world, you know, why won't this stupid thing compile? What is the compiler telling me here? Um, I don't know that I. Uh, Uh, View objective C as like, oh no, like absolutely can't go back to it. I think newer code, I'm of course going to write in Swift, uh, don't go out of my way to write objective C, but there are, there are times when it's sort of like the right thing to do when you're, um, you know, in an existing code base or maybe even some circumstances where you're trying to just quickly iterate on something and say, you know, type safety be damned. I just want to see if this concept even works and then I'll rewrite it in Swift. You know, once I, once I get the basic idea. Oh really? Okay. I'm
0: looking at the platforms that developers are working on and, you know, Linux and Windows are, are never going to be a surprise. But what surprises me is that twenty, nearly a quarter of the respondents said Mac OS, and closer to an eighth said iOS. And I'm just surprised that that many are still working on the Mac as a platform for development.
1: Well, it's interesting if you go down to the the yeah the dreaded and loved platforms. Yeah, they're, they're neck and neck here. Um, actually, Mac is a little higher. That's not surprising. But I, I wonder too, though. I mean, like you know, when we started this podcast four or five years ago, um, iOS was like the the hot new hot or the hotness at that point, right? And I don't know if it's fallen out of favor in, in a sense, right? I mean, we're st- obviously those of us listening to the show are obviously interested in iOS but and macOS, but uh, what do you think? Do you think the the that iOS, the bloom is off the rose and all that kind of stuff? Or?
0: I think it'll be really interesting to see it after this WWDC and the announcements that are, are rumored to see what they're going to do with all of the iOS-Mac convergence. It will be curious to see what, I think right now it's, it's, it's an interesting number to look at, but I think that if the, the if the, what was the analogy you used?
1: Uh, just now.
0: <laughs> yeah. The,
1: the bloom, bloom off, off the, the rose. rose. Bloom
0: off the rose.
1: Yeah. Uh, honeymoon's I, over.
0: I, I think it's, I, I I can't say for sure if that's the case for the long term.
2: right. Right yeah i think tim this harkens back to the episode zero or negative one yeah uh, we had our conversation and 360 idev many years ago about oh right my my hypothesis around technology cycles and how web had completed its 10-year cycle of like oh my gosh if if you got a pulse and you know dynamic html here you go here's a million dollars go have at it to the sort of like middle stage to the later stage where larger companies have come in things are commoditized we are well in that cycle right count it for the 2000 it's It's been more than a decade of, uh, of iOS development, uh, native iOS development. And I don't think it worked out quite the way I thought it would. I thought it would be, yeah, you know, it's just a job, you know, just move on with it, you know, move on with your life. It, I think there's been enough bumps uh, upwards up along the way to keep it sort of fresh and alive. But I don't think it's like the golden heyday of like, oh, a person in their basement makes an app and it makes tens of millions of dollars, right? It's clearly not that. We're talking about things like BV Edit, like, oh, wow, it's a big deal. They're coming back to the app store to do a subscription. Pricing sort of thing, and when I look down at the it's uh, it's under work and then salary by developer type. Yeah, um, I'm going to look on the United States uh, tab because I did notice a big difference in sort of global distribution of mm-hmm. salaries versus mm-hmm. United States, and I'm more familiar with the U.S. Mobile is looking pretty good. This one, two, three, four, five, six. It's number seven uh, with an is this average? I'm going to assume it's average of 112 thousand dollars salary, which isn't too bad because above it is things like like engineering manager, which you would expect a little bit more, uh, site reliability engineers and DevOps folks and data scientists. Like a lot of that stuff is going to have premiums right now for where things are moving, but mobile is still doing pretty well. It didn't fall to the bottom of the list. I was like, all right, it's hundred percent commoditized. Nobody's even looking for them anymore. Um, it's a little curious to me that mobile drops way, way, way down on the list when you look at global. And I mm-hmm, don't know mm-hmm. what's happening there, but maybe it speaks to some sort of difference in, uh, one, we talked about the respondents here and their. are Particular slice, or even two, maybe there's a difference in the kinds of um, attention that mobile gets in, let's say, like the West, like the United States versus other places in the world. But at least for us here, you know, in this hemisphere, um, it certainly seems like mobile is still hanging on as like a thing you can get paid a premium for. Not as much as you could have back in like 2009, 2010, but it's still doing pretty good. It's still paying the bills pretty well. Yeah. And then you can do a tab between global and United States salaries. Um, to, not surprising at all to me that United States, being a higher cost country, tends to have higher salaries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the the positioning of mobile, mobile is next to the bottom on global at forty five k. But for United States, what did I just say? It was like number seven at one hundred and twelve k. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And
0: Tim, can you talk uh, talk to it as far as Canada is concerned? Is Canada reflecting closer to the global numbers, or is it reflecting closer to the mobile numbers? Uh, global um, or the I, United I think States I think numbers? I think
1: we we're closer to the United States kind of numbers than global. Like uh, yeah, we're we're sort of the 50s first state or whatever we, whatever we call ourselves, but um, oh, you know, uh, without 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 the, uh, the the headaches or the baggage. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think we're we're more or less the same. I mean, if you look at like hired hired.ca or Hired.com has a salary chart, and we're comparable to um, in terms of salary ranges what what people are making in the states. We're obviously nowhere near what's making in California or New York, but well, that's also cost living, living expenses there. Yeah, yeah. Cost of living is, is quite quite a bit different there, too. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's more or less the same. I mean, yeah, not... Mind you, these these dollars are American dollars and, yeah, so if that's the case, then no, we're, we're probably a lot lower than these numbers we're seeing here. in terms of <laughs> I like, will you
2: know. point out that we do have an international audience. I'm very curious if anybody has interesting data points or, or things they just like to say. They can hit us up on Twitter with hashtag AskMTJC and let us know. How, how are things looking in your neck of the woods? Is mobile still still a thing you get you know paid a, a premium of some sort for? Or is it just another development job and, and maybe you could find you know, other skills uh related to development
1: well it's who i mean the other thing too about about mobile development you know or just in terms of what phones are out there i mean you know the united states is very heavy on on um iphone i believe and then and then uh globally it's more android right
2: yeah it's like let's call it 50 50 because it's it's so close hmm. and varies quarter by quarter year by year it's roughly 50 50 ios and android and globally it's like 80 20 uh sorry right. i guess 20 yeah. 80 ios to android
1: right cool i was looking at the uh um, the um, languages earlier or where was I? Technology top paying technologies and if you look at that one um, in the United States uh, Objective-C is in fifth place is is a top, one of the top, you know after Scala, Clojure Go and Erlang, right? Um, And Kotlin is coming up behind there and Swift is like way down in the middle of the pack and then if you look at globally uh, Objective-C and Swift are are in Kotlin or or Kotlin and Swift are very close together but they're way down, you know, below below the median of of, um, South uh, technologies right so more languages i guess
2: yeah it, it, it is interesting and it's a little weird given that we just talked about the fact that objective c was like yeah. way up there on the most <laughs> dreaded list and i think the way i synthesize this is with two different bits of data one that's in this report which is the fact that um uh, i think it's like salary per years of experience mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. objective c folks tend to have more development experience right uh, as opposed to like the large glut of like fresh off uh out of school sort of developers learning Swift as their very first language. So there there is that in terms of salary uh, and and expectations and and earnings. But I also think that given that this is Stack Overflow, I wonder if some of the larger uh, tech companies have a disproportionate amount of um, impact to this, right? So like Mm -hmm. we know for a fact that Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and I would just assume Airbnb without knowing for sure, they use a lot of Objective-C. They've been around for a long time. They have a lot of developer platform stuff that um, until recently would not have lent itself very well to Swift because of the ABI compatibility issue um, prior to Swift 5. Uh, I wonder if their salaries, because they're they're known to be paying pretty good salaries, especially for engineers that are in the Bay Area, I wonder if that's bringing up the average for Objective-C to punch a little bit higher than it normally would. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, in most large packages, you're dealing with a code base that sometimes predates the language, so that turning that ship, so to speak, always requires them to be on the older language. Um, I've worked years ago on microsoft office for the mac and there was clearly the world of objective c at this point we were clearly in the os 10 days but most of that code was still written in c and c
1: right yeah yeah Makes and
0: you, you just you don't turn a code base that fast
1: true and there's probably a lot of demand which i guess is why the objective c salaries are higher in that sense well i guess we can move on from there um so we were you were alluding to the uh, the new technology that uh is made out of crushed almonds um, <laughs> coming to WWDC. Um, and so the next story here is that uh, predictions that the next um, Mac OS, and I forgot which number it is coming out soon, 1015, I think 15. it is, uh, will include um, standalone versions of the, of the music app, the podcast app, and TV apps and uh, books as well, um, which are apps that are on. Um, on iOS, right? And and this is because of the Marzipan transition. But so there's two two sides. So one is that, that I think it's pretty obvious that that's going to happen. So there's two two parts to talk about this. One is what does that mean for iTunes in its future as, as a sort of Swiss army knife of, of bad uh, experiences? Or the other side of it is do you really think we're going to get Marzipan at WWC for us to use?
0: Well, they basically said we're going to show you a preview last year of something that we'll have more to show you next year. So that right. could mean Mean that it will be available for some early development, or it could mean that they're still working on it. It's it's hard to say. I have given up guessing exactly what Apple will and won't show until something actually leaks.
1: Right. Okay. Well, maybe they were talking about Air Power. <laughs> you know, something that they're <laughs> demoing that could work in the future. Yeah. What do you think, Jaime? I
2: I forgot the first question, so I'm going to answer so, the Marsipan one. Yeah. The, the, the Marsipan one. And and what are, WWC, are We
1: getting are we getting a tools <laughs> tooling for Marsipan?
2: Yeah. I. I don't think iTunes will go away yet. I think these will; these apps will supplement until the time that Apple is ready to, to move on from the I mean, it, it takes up the vast majority of usage. It doesn't really address what ends up happening to uh, connecting iOS devices. Um, will they drop support for that? Will that piece go away? What happens when you plug in an iPhone sort of thing? Um, right. But I do think that I will predict that Marzipan will not be uh, available for um, production usage by developers such as us in, um, in this year or WWC and, and the release launch in September, I think the production launch will be 2020, mm-hmm. but I do think we will get some sort of preview of like, Oh, um, start trying this out. Like apps with
0: it. a marzipan preview.
2: Yeah, ex- exactly.
1: Oh, like, like da- like the dash code thing that we had back in the day, like where you could sort of build little
2: pretend apps. Yeah. To, to try it out and, and start seeing, you know, you know, how does it work? Where does your app fall apart if you're trying to migrate? But I don't think you'll be able to to publish apps and have apps out there that will work with right. um, stock macOS, uh, even stock macOS 1015 in for this year. I, I think they'll need another year of just letting it bake and then I don't think there's a huge rush. There's not like a huge obvious reason to, to rush this because it's a really delicate sort of thing. So I, I think production in 2020, I don't think we will be left out in the cold. I think this is the year we will get a preview of it and get to try it out.
1: Right, right. Well, I think my opinion is I think iTunes takes a lot on the nose for um, like, like remember we used to bash about the fun. The Finder needed an upgrade. and Finder is horrible. It's been dragging along. Does too much, you know. Back in earlier days, and then it got rewritten, and parts, you know, it got Swiftified. And I mean, like, like they even added a bunch of new things to to the Finder in terms of like asset management and you know doing previews and things like that. I mean, the Command Shift Five thing is probably the only keyboard command I use that that came out of last week, last year's thing. So uh, using the Finder as an analogy, I think. Um, so I don't know about iTunes whether it's going to get cannibalized, but yeah, and. and I, I, I sort of tend to think the same thing I mean there's there's a lot of Trying to get UI kit to work, you know, inside of, I mean, obviously they've been, they're doing it, but trying to get it to work inside of uh, Mac OS because there's the app kit versus UI kit sort of stuff, right? That goes on. And whether or not, uh, whether or not it'll be ready for, for public consumption or for developer consumption,
2: right? Yeah. I think there's the like, you know, will it technically even work? <laughs> Does it compile sort of thing? And then there's the, okay, what are the best practices? What are the, the human interface guidelines end up looking like for Marzipan apps? And, and people wanted to get a chance to make, like, like really good quality experiences that I think there's still so much uncertainty in my mind about that. That's why I said 2020 for production and uh, let us try this out as a beta or a preview, as Drew put it. Right.
1: And, and, and Drew can probably address this, but the, the whole idea of mouse events and keyboard events and windowing, right? Isn't that quite a bit uh, sort of different in macOS?
0: It, it is, but it will also depend entirely on how much they try to attach the usage to, say, your trackpad. If they try to make your trackpad oh, a okay. touchscreen for... this app because, you know, you do have the menu and the menu bar access to an application, but running an app is different. And I really have not sat down. I really should sit down with the news app on macOS and see how the the interactions are different. Because that will really be sort of that guideline on how they're beginning to look at that.
1: Right? Okay, cool. So you've got something here about uh, tvOS?
0: Yeah, it looks like 12 to 1 for tvOS. TV OS dropped. It's got unannounced bug fixes. It would seem that some of these apps that they've been pushing, the new TV uh, app and the news app, are still having little bits of problems. They may have found a security hole or the like, but there was just a very small drop for 12.2.1. one. None of the other dot twos uh, have had a dot one release come out yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see those over the next week.
2: Right. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's move on to Netflix. I mean, Netflix is apparently confirmed that it is dropping AirPlay support and won't let you uh, use AirPlay from your iOS devices to Apple TVs anymore. Hmm. Um, As noted in this article by The Verge, they did it with sort of little explanation and little warning. Uh, After the fact, they sort of claimed, like, well, it's because with the way the technology is, they can't actually tell which device they're streaming to and therefore can't tune things for user experience purposes. Um, There are people on the internet that have ideas about, like, you know, a digital rights management DRM sort of concern and other things, if you ask me for my money, I actually think it's related more towards um, the fact that Netflix is going to experiment with a mobile only plan as they're oh, raising really? their, mm. their, their normal pricing. So I, let's assume a normal plan instead of being, you know, $12.99, like I'm going to be paying starting next month, they will have like a four ninety nine dollars plan. Well, that works great if you're using a small device like an iPhone or an iPad, but if you had AirPlay for those things, your mobile only plan is basically a much cheaper full plan, full service right, plan, right, yeah. if you can AirPlay. So I don't think this is a dig at Apple and like, oh, they're getting back at them for uh, Apple News Plus and Apple TV Plus and all these other things. I, I really think it's just let's not have this loophole where people can very easily get around our um, our pricing tier structure.
1: Right. Well, do you think it was intentional? Because I've, I've seen other apps that are for consuming, okay. streaming stream data, not from Netflix that from time to time have, you know, or version to version have dropped um, AirPlay or, or messed it up, right? Um, like where the button just isn't there or just doesn't work, um, you know. It, it improves over time, but like you know, I can I can pretty much airplay just about anything these days, right? But yeah, it, I, you don't think it's, you don't think it's because of the fact that that Apple's becoming become a TV
2: competitor. I, I I think that's like a secondary effect, uh, if anything. Um, and to answer your other question, uh, the company uh, Netflix's official support page now includes the phrase "Airplay is no longer supported for use with Netflix due to technical limitations." So it's not an accidental whoopsie. You know, developer broke the build, and, and people forgot to run the unit tests, sort of thing. Um, it does appear very intentional. I, I don't really think it doesn't make as much sense to remove it as a um, you know a stab in the eye to Apple uh, for competitive reasons. I, I really think it's because of that mobile only tier that they're uh, supposed to be coming out very soon.
0: I think I read that YouTube is also now raising up their cost for uh, for their programming as well.
2: That's right. You get more channels, and you get to pay what turns out to be twenty percent more for me. Uh, $10 more per month. Really? Which, Are
1: you, do you have a YouTube subscription for
2: I have YouTube TV uh, assuming that's what Drew is talking about. Yeah. And yeah, they're going to add like uh, Discovery Channel and Oprah Winfrey Network and Food Network Animal Planet, a few other things. But um, a big thing for me is like I didn't really care about those channels enough to pay more money. Why I don't pay uh, Comcast locally for cable for that? And the $10 rise has me really thinking about alternatives. So I'm you know going to be looking at Hulu TV with the attached Hulu plan to see if, if that ends up being better. Certainly cheaper as of this recording.
0: I like Hulu's programming.
2: Yeah, their originals work, seems to be uh, something that might tip the balance in their favor for, for my personal selection. Um, their limits on the cloud PVR for the the regular plan uh, at like $45 a month is, it's not great. It's like 50 hours of, of PVR time, which on YouTube TV, I have no such limitation. I'll just watch everything if I wanted to or record everything if I wanted to. And um, I have to look at my usage and see like, okay, what am I actually watching um, now that it's you know only 50 hours? You know, will, I, will I be more diligent about removing things from the queue or be more careful about adding things to the queue of recording? I mean, maybe it ends up not being you know that big a deal at all, but it, it is something where this is causing me to reevaluate what am I going to do for my, my digital media consumption desires. Hmm, interesting. Well, we'll have to wait and see, right? Like anything else? What do you got next? Oh, the next one is—I uh, thought it was just a little release note that I actually got an email about today, uh, as of this recording. But uh, turns out the interwebs is on fire with this. So this little documentation update from Apple that says, uh, you know, hey, here's how you uh, here's how you notarize your app before distribution. Uh, the part in yellow is the part that people are in a tizzy about, which is important. Beginning in macOS ten point fourteen point five, all new or updated kernel extensions and all software from developers new to distributing with Developer ID must be notarized in order to run in a future version of mac os notarization will be required by default for all software so what does notarization mean i remember thinking that it was a way to um like sign your software uh mm-hmm. kind of similar to the way that um that current signing works but uh unlike let's say uh ios development where like you barely like you have to make sure this developer certificate is signed, otherwise the operating system like absolutely refuses to run your software right that's part of our business process but mac os isn't really fully like that like we talked earlier about the uh, mac app store apps and and what you have to do for sandboxing and entitlements and stuff that's cool and great but pre-existing software that you just you know download from the web and run locally like gatekeeper gets involved there but this is like an in-between where uh, rather than having to sign up for the um apple developer program and pay the the yearly fee to distribute uh you would not have to pay for this it'd be free service from what I understand but it would be requirement as a way for apple to provide extra due diligence and security around software like was this actually um a legitimate copy of software like remember the what did they call it It it's like xcode ghost or something it was like hacked versions of xcode that were being redistributed from servers in china yeah yeah so this would would um not prevent that sort of situation but apple could say hey wait a minute like this is not a legitimate version of xcode and then yoink there goes the the uh, notarization authorization and those copies would be dead right very similar to like when Rogue apps get out for iOS or macOS uh, that require signing. They can revoke the certificate, and then you're, you're good because like it won't spread and propagate anymore.
0: The notarization also can be revoked in case you have your com- in case you compromise your uh, your signing certs.
1: Oh yes, good point. It says here at the top of the article that uh, uh, Apple Notary Service is an automatic service that scans your software for malicious content, checks for code signing issues, and returns results to you quickly. And if the if you pass, then you the general it's a ticket for you to staple to your software. Uh, so Apple is notarizing the software is what the case is. And then I guess that allows, gate, Gatekeeper will allow it to be installed or run or whatever, right? So, because you can, currently, you can go in and say, if it's unsigned, you can go in and say, yes, I, I take the
2: responsibility for the software and let it run. But I think you're saying now it's going to be even more mandatory. The notarization will be mandatory in a future unspecified version right, of Mac right. OS.
1: So all these but, sort of little pieces of software that we run, piggly piggly, like application drivers
2: and stuff like that won't, won't run well that's the thing that has people sort of in a tizzy right now of like oh what does this mean for development freedoms and open source and all these other sort of uh co-related topics uh, for macOS? because you have had this freedom from day one and everybody's who been i was like what's the big deal i don't care about that <laughs> right like right, it's so right. unusual to have unsigned um, software that it's it's going to be an interesting chasm for apple to cross in this particular case right, right
1: how many amendments do you guys have
2: how many what how many amendments do you guys have like it's, you know, it's us like- Constitution. Yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, without looking, I'm going to guess it's 25. Oh, Maybe this would be look. like the 26th amendment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get to have my app on. I get to install any app I want on my Mac.
2: Let's see. Real-time follow-up constitutional amendment. Amendments. Many of them are. Uh, scrolling way down. Bottom of the list. There, oh, um, I was close. There are 27 amendments. I said 25, so I was off by two.
0: Well, theoretically you were correct then because one canceled the other one out. We had that no drinking amendment and then we had no, it's okay to drink amendment. So those two, cancel out, you consider that twenty five,
1: <laughs> Right. <laughs> right, Drew, you have something here. So yeah, it looks
0: like have. Apple has updated the web preview for podcasts. And I, I mentioned this could be a follow-up because I remember listening to the show, I think the week before I came on, when you were talking about the fact that you're not supposed to number your episodes anymore. Yeah, right. And they've completely changed the format of the way that the web preview looks. And if you want to see it, what you do is you uh, look up a podcast in iTunes, you copy the uh, the link and then open that link. In your web browser, and you get a nice big icon of the web broad, uh, of the uh, podcast, the number of episodes that are available, and a lot more visual uh, real estate taken up with the podcast.
1: All right, okay. So, th- do we need to do? Do we need to make a preview, or does it is it just allow you to preview the? I think the it's just uh, using the podcast. same graphic
0: that you've uploaded in the past. Because, well, I mean, for, for uh, MDJC, it's just the big key cap- key caps. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I mean, so so like in this. Um, Screenshot that's attached to the article, they've got like a play button underneath one so like people will be able to play the right from the Apple website. Looks like. Yeah. So yeah it's Tim, like we I, have to make a video or like, like you know with the app store we have the for iOS we have to make a little video to run as a preview.
2: Not like that, right? Yeah. So Tim, if you look a little bit lower in the show notes, Drew has helpfully, oh, sorry. very thankfully provided the uh, Apple Podcasts web link for our little oh, show here. Cool. And it will be linked yeah. in the
1: show notes too.
0: Ooh, I did my I homework. Home. Huh? I did my homework
1: but I, I don't get i don't i don't have a preview what's going on ah
0: but you may notice it's podcast.apple.com us
1: oh in yeah in yeah no i'm that's where i am
2: okay Do you guys get the preview or or what's going on I'm unclear what you see. So I see. I don't you know, see. The the little, I
1: don't point. see little play buttons. I don't see each each one with a sort of a summary like the screenshot. I don't see what you guys see like in the article screenshot
2: that's there. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe maybe you should put CA in there to see if that uh, if that changes it. Mm, why would that matter? Oh, yep. Yeah, I, I just pressed the play button and I could hear a wonderful intro music.
1: Maybe see. So maybe once again, it's
2: only US. <laughs> <laughs> Did they prevent it? Let me yeah. see. Let me try CA here. So instead of US, I'm going to try CA.
1: I'm using Safari. Am I supposed to like have a certain version of Safari? No, I'm using
2: yeah 12.1. So. Oh, oh, it looks, yeah, you know what? He might be right, Drew. Like I went to uh, same link, you know, podcast.apple.com, mm-hmm. but instead of slash US slash CA, and it looks like I'm staring at iTunes. It's really mm-hmm. weird. Yeah.
1: And it's like episode one, two, three, four, five, all the way down the side, and it's episode 241, episode 240,
2: right? So Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm previewing it right now in Chrome, and it doesn't look the same in Chrome as it does in Safari. So it may be a safari. Yeah, I'm
2: using I'm using Chrome and it's working like a champ. Um, I could open up Safari and see if it looks the same. You say it doesn't, huh? All right, Safari. Let me see side by side. What are the differences?
0: Unless it's changed since earlier,
2: uh, it looks pretty close to me. I'm trying to see if there's any visual differences. No, maybe maybe they updated it since the last time you looked.
0: Yeah, it does look slightly different now.
2: What does? You look at Apple Insider one or something or? Uh, no, he's looking at the uh, Apple <coughs> Podcasts uh, preview link in Safari versus Chrome, and mm-hmm. I'm not seeing any differences here. But I just opened this um, as we we're going through this show here, so I didn't see what what Drew saw earlier today. For so those of you driving at
1: home, if I'm if I click on so oh so it's not working for you anymore, or it is working for you? Because if I look if I click on the link to their podcast, the App Insiders on um, in the article, I get just plain old yeah. They've work, fame, they've
0: changed out. it since I looked earlier. Because if you look at Apple the uh, if you look at the article in Apple Insider, you you can see it's a much larger graphic you can yeah. see that the uh they've spaced out the uh the the episodes with information and now it's gone to an almost yeah. simple table view so i have a feeling uh, that this may be a temporary thing or this may be something they're in the process of changing it's something probably worth keeping an eye on
1: maybe it was a leak or something might have been accidental leak hmm, interesting all right well, well keep an eye on it sounds interesting we'll have to make our uh, our uh, cold opens a lot much more entertaining than i <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, so what do we got? for What's the next
2: story here? This one, you know, we were just talking about uh, Apple being real nice and not charging $99 for data migration. Um, but apparently they're a little loose with the uh, the purse strings when it comes to verifying that the devices they're getting are actual legitimate Apple devices. So Early. this is a story about a con that was happening in uh, the state of Oregon where uh, two college students were repeatedly shipping in uh, fake iPhone phones from china that specifically would not power on and then they take them to the apple store say hey look it's not powering on apple would be like you're right it's not powering on here you go here's a brand new iphone and then taking those iphones and shipping them back to china and selling them on the black market apparently oh, made really? something up to like like a nine hundred thousand dollar loss for apple through the like thousand uh let's see two thousand phones in 2017
1: wow yeah it looks like nine hundred thousand dollars in losses yeah
2: yeah that's crazy Yeah, that it's crazy
1: i mean it's like back in the day when the ipad first came out and people would put like blocks of wood in an ipad in an ipad box and sell it you know in the in the parking lot of a walmart or whatever right right yeah as long as it weighed about you know approximately the the amount of weight you'd expect right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah all right lots of fun lots of fun for the boys and girls that's an interesting you know bit of ingenuity for those guys and to do that but yeah because
2: there's lots of iphone knockoffs in in china as well right like, they must be really good, though. Like, uh, I mean, let's assume it's, you know, like sawdust or some other thing that sort of weighs what an iPhone would roughly weigh. The exterior must be really, really good that Apple employees who use these devices and touch them every single day didn't immediately be like, what the heck is this? <laughs> you can't just give me a, a bar of soap that's been whittled and carved into the shape of an iPhone.
1: I it's like counterfeiting dollar bills. If somebody got, it, got a hold of the molds and, you know, maybe bought, got some glass or whatever and figured it out, right?
2: Yeah, I just feel like the materials. Don't the devices actually have
0: the uh, serial numbers on them? No, I guess they don't.
1: Yeah, on the back, yeah, they do. Oh, the, the new glass ones don't, yeah.
0: The glass ones don't.
1: The ones with the glass backs, the new 10R, 10S models. Does mine have a...
0: I've got a 10 and it doesn't.
1: Yeah. That's kind of a drag. All right. All right, let's get around, go around the table like we usually do and see if we have any picks. And do we have a pick, Carme?
2: We do. Mine is from the uh, the fine people over at raywenderlick.com. I've they heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> they have thankfully put up a, um, and very helpfully, put up a blog post called What's New in Swift 5? And it's got a, a nifty cool project. Of course, you're going to need uh, Swift 5 tooling, and they uh, am kind of expecting you to use Xcode 10.2 for this particular project. And they stepped through. It's actually a fairly long article here of uh, all the different cool things. Nice. Nice. in no particular order i do think that uh for those of you who are interviewing at jobs and if they let you choose the language maybe you might want swift 5 because they have testing integer multiples which spoiler alert that's going to be very important for the fizzbuzz test that you may or may not oh, really? <laughs> so instead of doing the <laughs> you can amaze your interviewer by instead of doing the uh, the mod remainder sort of thing just like hey is this number a multiple of this number and guess right. what it also handles zero too so uh, there you go I've just gotten you a job with, with the nice. fine stuff here Nice. Uh, and they talk about uh, dictionary literals which we actually talked about on the show before and how it's been uh, renamed to the more sensible name of key value pairs uh, some updates to um, the way the string interpolation works um, I think one that will be interesting here for SDK developers is handling future enumeration cases so before you can really just only have like you know case one case two and then your default case but now you can can actually have a um, unknown at unknown annotation that will um, allow you to handle those future cases. Right. Uh, But Swift will still warn you that the switch isn't exhaustive because you've specifically told it like, oh, like there's unknown stuff here versus default sort of just being the catch all that can be a source of bugs, for example.
1: Cool. All right. That's neat.
0: Of course, there's also stable ABI.
2: Yes. Yes. That's almost good too. Very nice. Very nice.
1: Yeah. All right. So my picks, I've got a couple here. Um, One is, I mentioned off the top of the show that it's two, episode 242. 42 being the significant number. is also the logo on James Thompson's apps for PCALC, which has been around since the dawn of time. And uh, so, yeah, PCALC is the official calculator app of the More Than Just Code podcast. And I believe it's also the official app of the Roundabout Creative Chaos podcast. So, there we go. And I guess we can make it we announced it in today. It's the official po- calculator app of SpotCast as well, eh, honey?
2: It can be. And the, the 42 is even more theme appropriate. That's than true, because episode
1: 42 will be the next episode sort of, of podcasts, right? Woo-hoo. That's true. Yeah, we we have we have um, episode number stability between the two podcasts. <laughs> yeah, um, and then keeping up with our theme of WWC, uh, is it safe to say you're going to WWC now, Drew?
0: Yeah, it is.
1: Okay, so Drew and I will both be at WWC this year, not necessarily together, but you know, in proximity. Um, but so I, I was looking around to find out where all the where the the parties and stuff like that are, and the after events that because there used to be a bunch of after events. Uh, in, when I was going back to WWDC, there, there used to
0: be an Fridays. app for all the events.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there used to be websites, and they don't seem to be keeping them up to date. Or maybe it's too early. I'm not sure. It's too uh, early, but yeah. So there's, there's an article here I was reading uh, uh, from uh, last year, from June of 2018. Um, a gentleman named uh, Kai uh, published this. on uh, Kai's notice is, is a blog, blog post. He's uh, helpfully done a blog post about uh, all the things you can do and see WWc WWDC what to expect, you know, when to line up, uh, you know, arrive on Sunday to get your badge if you can, rather than rather than having to go into two separate lines to get your badge on Monday morning for the keynote. Other tips here are, you know, the breakfast lines and water bottle tips and that's going into the keynote, I think, right? Yeah, and then uh, sort of just how to get into the keynote and, and uh, have a good time. And and th- similar to, I mean, I think I've mentioned before on the show sort of the tips and tricks that I used when I was going lining up for keynotes in the past. Um, I was fortunate to see Two Steve notes back in the day. Um, I think you've probably seen a, a keynote or two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, and a bit about the I mean, Mus- I mean, we used to go to Moscone for uh, WWC when I was when I was going there, so it was quite a bit different than you know pictures of the labs and the the common areas where you can hang out and stuff like that. So kind of interesting, uh, interesting thing. There isn't an Apple Store per se in San Jose, is there? Does anybody know?
0: I don't believe so. Though there is typically a WWDC WWC. Sort of, uh, well, it depends from year to year, but they sometimes have WWDC swag available, or they have some Apple shirt swag available at a table.
1: And my tip to you, if you go into these events, because I've had people pick up T-shirts and stuff like that for me from WWC, but you get the T-shirt on day one or day two if you can because they go quick. You know, they don't, yeah. they don't stock them with, you know, there's 5,000 people vying for the same T-shirts that you're vying for. So, yeah, grab grab your sw- your swag early if you can. You might have to miss a session to do that, right? So
0: Do everything early. Um, yeah. If you haven't been to WWDC, line up for the keynote. You have to at least do that once. You meet some really amazing people that you spend four to nine hours with overnight it's an experience but in truth and a lot of people don't realize this the keynote isn't meant for the developers the keynote is meant for the public to get a flavor of what's coming in their in their september christmas boxes and the one that you really want to be in the front row for as early as possible is the one after the keynote which is the state of the union that for right, developers for lunch, yeah. is is the most important one, and then after that, line up and make your appointments for uh, for any of the uh, the labs or the uh, consultations.
1: Yeah, so like with the labs last year, did you have to did you have to book a, make an appointment early, or did you have to just show up? And how did the labs work last year? Do you know?
0: I have no idea. I, I, the last time I was there was before the lottery. But oh,
1: okay. You haven't been. You haven't been to. to I haven't been, been there. there. Okay.
0: That that was how it worked in 2012. Um, right. And depending on how how the rooms are set up, sometimes they will have an interesting topic in a smaller room, and they will cut off access to that room. Right. Right. Again, right. this is they going back to 2012. But then again, I also go back to 97 when it was yeah. in San Jose. So I remember what it was like at the San Jose Convention Center back then.
1: Right. Right. Is it the same place, the McHenry Con- Convention Center? Is that? The same? I'm not sure.
0: If it's the same, I don't know if the convention center in San Jose has changed or not. I uh, honestly, it's going to be one of those things that I'll walk into and go, Yep, this is the old place, or Nope, yeah, this is a new yeah. convention center,
1: right? Well, Mark Mark would know because you know, he he and I went there two years ago to see where it was going to be before it showed up. I do know that there, there's like a podcasting, last year there was a podcasting, uh, booth or event, a place where you could do a podcast if you want to try it out, and I think you had to make an appointment for that, and they went pretty quickly too, those appointments, and uh. There's also, I, I, when I've been going before, there's been an iTunes team. I know the iTunes group, or I guess we used to be called iTunes Connect, now it's what, App Store Connect? Mm-hmm. There, there might be a team for that, and you, I, I would recommend if you have issues and you plan on talking to somebody there to check it out and make sure you make an appointment early.
0: And the labs are wonderful places for two things. One is getting an understanding of a technology that they've introduced because somebody will be there usually right after the talk to discuss more of the conceptual thinking behind it or understanding it or unwrapping it and getting a better idea for it. But also, if you have source code and you're having difficulty finding a way through a solution, as they always say, there's a thousand engineers from Apple there. You can find somebody and get those effectively free uh, technical incident moments where you can talk to somebody and you'll be surprised. I've actually sat there and they've gone, oh, look, I found a bug in the source code to the operating system. And they'll go tap that out and enter that into, uh, into the bug reporter. Sure, okay.
1: And just as a, I think last year, we we picked Mark's brain about uh, you know how to get it, get to San, San Jose and things to do in San Jose. So I'll I'll post that as part of the show here um, today, and I might send it out as a separate uh, case you missed it kind of thing last year um, for people coming this year. So yeah, we're looking forward to seeing everybody down at WWDC this year.
2: What well, let me interject here was in real time follow up, and that is the question of an Apple store in San Jose. I looked it up; the, that is the Apple Oak Ridge store at nine two five Blossom Hill Road. San Jose, California, which is according to Google Maps, a eleven minute drive from a south of the San Jose Convention Center. Mm, cool. All right.
0: It is not, however, run by the Apple Oakridge Boys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that one went over my head. All right. <laughs> I, I was going to need some some explanation. Yeah, there's a band so called Oakridge Boys, isn't there? The
0: Oakridge Boys was a was a country music band.
1: Right, right. I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi many people want to get a hold of you? How they do that?
2: I'm on the internet as at Dev with a hair on the internet. Oh, I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair, but generally on the internet as oh, okay. at Dev of the Hair.
1: And uh, Drew, are you do you have an internet presence or social? I am on the users? internet
0: as Lord Andre, L O R D A N D R E I. Spelling of Lord Andre from the, the Russian background.
1: Right. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm my name is Timitra, T I M M I T R A, and I'm on the Twitter machine as that and many other social networking places like that. So yeah, until next week we'll see you. Bye-bye. 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 bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, and scene, as it were. Um, now, we had an argument once. Maybe you can settle this. You, you, you've done some theater stuff, right, Drew? Mm-hmm. I've, done, I've done a good bit. Okay, so so we argue sometimes about whether it's and scene or end scene.
0: I've heard both used. I can't help you with that one as an argument because I've heard people use both and and give history for both. It's... You know, and dot, 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 scene, or end scene. Um, I am partial myself to and.
2: Okay. Because yeah, it's sort sure.
0: of a, and wait for it, scene.
1: Yeah, I, I get it from the, the early, I think the Amy Fowler, um class of, sorry, Amy Polar class of Saturday Night <laughs> Live, you know, because yeah, they used to do that at the end of their, their skits and when they were doing a skit within a skit, you know. Oh, is so it yeah. somebody
0: just told me it was the 20th anniversary for the fever of more cowbell?
1: Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Wow, got to more. Cowbell. I used to have an app. Um, I used to have a cowbell app on my phone. I wonder what happened to it. I guess it's gone. Hmm. Reminds me because you used to you could get it to say, "I need more cowbell."
0: But apparently, that's so. twenty years now. I think it was ninety nine. Yeah,
1: yeah. By the way, did you see my tweet that I just sent out? I just yeah. uh, I just took receipt of just before the show started of an original Mac one twenty eight manual. Oh. That I found on eBay, and it's and it's in near mint condition. I mean, it's not one hundred percent perfect, but better than some of the manuals I've seen on eBay. And the guy also threw in uh, a Mac paint. By, a manual as well so yeah this is the one with a nice glossy you know the picasso cover on the front of the manual and, and the nice glossy uh apple style of it day pictures inside oh so, yeah we talked about it I think it was a pick on, uh, on one of our or one of our episodes
0: oh those are pretty
1: yeah so it's it's nice Oof. enough I've, I've got i've got some original um mac uh floppy disks as well that my wife found for me once on ebay so we're just we're talking earlier about uh, maybe making a shadow box for these two guys to live in so there you go
0: <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take a picture and raise the ante.
1: Of oh, you got some stuff? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a one twenty eight Mac as well and a five twelve, so This isn't a contest, by the way. No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) I have to remind Tammy of that all the time. (laughs) You don't see it on our Slack. We we usually post our episodes on the Ray Wonderlic Slack and and (laughs) brag about our... And one day, Tammy put her thing up and sort of said, ah, I beat you to it. And I'm like, hey, it's not a contest, Tammy. (laughs) It is now. (laughs) Yeah, it is secretly. Secretly it is, but I tell her it's not. (laughs) (laughs) We both publish on Saturday. She's been pretty good lately. She was going for months and months and months. Months and months without publishing a show. Now she's like pretty, pretty on top of it.
0: Uh, I've I've got my schedule where I'm going to start rolling uh, starting next week.
1: Oh, with your um, Mm -hmm. Ray Wonderlick podcast? The
0: full episodes start. Uh, not this coming Wednesday. No, they are this coming Wednesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we start with James Dempsey.
1: Yes, you mentioned that last week.
0: Who I record tomorrow.
1: Cool. Yeah, we met him at uh, our WWC. Well, you probably met him too was, when mm-hmm. he was doing uh, his. We well,
0: you said you're a, you're a.
1: Uh, I'm a conditional breakpoint. Yeah,
0: conditional breakpoint.
1: Mm-hmm. Trying to find out who's. Do you know? Do we know who's going to WWC from the team? Like uh,
0: some people have been mentioning it, but
1: oh, Jeff. I, Jeff I, is coming from. Um, he was my first editor, actually, tech editor, not tech editor, English editor. Whatever, Jeff Reams. But well, we've mentioned on the show before.
0: Okay, I've just sent you a, a Twitter response to your tweet with the oh, manual from the Macintosh, which and simply reads, on, "I'll maybe. see you and raise you."
1: Oh, okay, good. Oh, right here. Oh, you got the original Apple II, and oh, look at you. Got a big ink blot on it. I'm kidding. <laughs> Does it have nice glossy pictures in it too, though? Yeah, and
0: it also has the fold-out uh, schematic.
1: Oh, really? Cool.
0: Yeah, the nice. the Apple II reference manual, which actually came with a schematic of the motherboard.
1: Oh, okay. In yes. case
0: you ever wanted. To make one of your own.
1: Yeah, I have I have an Apple IIc here, and we have all some of the manuals for. It, but it was it was like a, a valley village finds. So they weren't. Uh, I didn't actually. I I own one, but I, I didn't own it back in the day. So yeah, but the, the one, Apple II manual. Was,
0: the Apple II manual was the only one that actually came with a schematic of the hard uh, a schematic of the uh, motherboard. It came with the ROM actually disassembled. It had a little miniature sixty five zero two instruction booklet in it. It's it, it's by far one. Of the most amazing things that Apple ever produced and never would produce again.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's sort of the... Oh, I have a signed, uh, a WAS signed um, schematic of the the, um, Apple Apple logic board, Mm. signed by the man himself. Yep. That's in a frame somewhere.
0: And the only real signed Apple thing that I have is an old rainbow colored beach towel uh, from Apple that's signed by Douglas Adams when he spoke uh, at a lunchtime chat at WWDC.
1: Nice. Nice. I have a, my badge, got my badge signed by Bill Atkinson once at WWDC because he was, he was, he's a developer now, right? Just a regular schmo mm-hmm. like us. He's one of us.
2: Yeah, not one of us at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, you guys have access to the um, visitors. Part of Apple Park where they have the unique um, oh, t-shirts the... and other stuff that you can buy.
1: Oh, really? Why is that? Oh, because we can you can go over there. You mean?
2: Yeah. I guess normally we're like, hey, Mark and Greg, you guys live in the area, please, yeah, please oh, acquire my... some goodies for us and send them. Yeah, Greg,
1: Greg brought me a couple of t-shirts and sent them over. So I'll be responding in MTJC t-shirts for at least three, or four of the days. Right?
2: Are you going to be wearing the I entered the lottery and all I got was this lousy t-shirt? I think I'll wear it. I'll wear
1: it on Sunday. I'll wear it on Sunday. I might. I might. I might wear it during. the week. Who knows? I'll wear it and i I need to sure. get
0: one of those from you because
1: I have, a, I think I have one double extra large left. I don't know. I don't have very many left. I think I might have an extra large too. I think and I can have still fit into an extra large. Size.
0: Hmm? I still think I can fit into an extra large. If there's well, a, no, double do extra large a double
1: extra large. large cause, I, Cause I, I made one up for somebody and then he never sent me the address. And then, so I, I had two of them and I just shipped one out to a fan a couple of weeks ago. So
0: someday I'll figure I, out I, why I made that childhood wish to look like Santa Claus. I don't know why.
1: Well, <laughs> it's funny because I have a couple of double extra large t-shirts and, and they're comfortable. Like they're not, you don't feel like, you know, they're not skin tight kind of thing, you know? So, so it's not, not a horrible thing that to, to have to admit you need a double extra large, you know? So I think you're sort of the same shape physically as me. Am I correct in that?
0: Yeah. I think I'm a little shorter. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. why I wear the fedora. It, it gives me a little more height.
1: Right, right, right. How tall are you?
0: Uh, Well, five, eight, as of my last oh, physical, yeah, yeah. I'm actually shrinking. I was five, nine for most of my adult life and then last really? year they took my physical and they said well you're five eight and three quarters i'm like i'm shrinking no
1: yeah that's normal apparently but yeah 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 no i'm That'll... still five eleven. so been that my whole life well not my whole life sorry that's, that's
2: incorrect <laughs> that's inaccurate it's, i mean the vast majority of your life at this time right? 10
1: or so yeah 10 or 11 yeah exactly yeah. i was gonna yeah.
0: say that was a painful birth
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you go through mother's off like so the guy that was at code mobile is he is that nigel hamilton the one that you take the picture with uh I mean? That's right. And yeah, he just walked in with a t-shirt on, like an MTJC t-shirt? And
2: no, no, no. He, he, uh, he's a fan of the show. Oh, okay. And, uh, I had t-shirts to take over oh, there. Oh, okay. Right, right. And he introduced himself and we talked and I said, oh, man, like, I have t-shirts. I'm going to make sure you get one because I was also running low on stock. Right, right. So I okay. made sure, like, hey, we have like a handful of ones cool. in various sizes try them out. Cool. Uh, gave out pins and stuff over there. And he was wearing the shirt and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Look, it's- I'm wearing my uh, original Yeah, the shirt OG shirt, shirt. Yeah. The OG. Sure, I was wearing that for the uh, the presentation day and um, it was interesting because he uh, didn't actually know what I looked like because <laughs> <The> <laughs> I guess he'd never had, you know it, you go to our go you to know, our, uh, our website our, our happy faces are there yeah um, but I guess he'd never actually done it which I think is pretty reasonable you know if you subscribe through yeah. like overcast or Apple podcast or something you don't necessarily see like our faces on there
1: well you know what I noticed too is that that um, I post I always I have always have an episode cover art piece that goes on that goes with the app. And you only I only see that in Overcast. I don't see that in any, in any of the other podcast players. So every week I painstakingly make a, an image that goes along with the episode and, and you don't see them. I'm kinda of disappointed. You what what podcast player do you use? I mean.
2: I use Overcast and I do notice it on the website. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. it's it's much appreciated. It even shows in the MP three that I, I download, you know, the local copies. Oh does stuff.
1: it? Okay, yeah, that's true. I've seen yeah. that before too.
2: And there's some there's some real winners in there. I mean, I think uh Tammy with the Moober and she's like like yeah, dr who is floating space, yeah. towards the tardis yeah. and uh, i think the all-time best one i enjoyed the most was uh dr mark rubin and his uh his best buddy the dynamic duo yeah. as batman and, and robin yeah yeah batman and rubin <laughs> batman and rubin tim <laughs> cook right <laughs> although
1: technically you know it's the other way around yeah i just i, I saw it was like a, a english comedy troupe two two guys were dressed up as batman and robin and, and the height the size of them or because mark's a little shorter than tim cook obviously right So it kind of worked out pretty well. I don't, uh, hopefully, Tim Cook's never seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden my, my entry to WWDC gets revoked. Um, yeah. Now we have some we have some pretty interesting pictures. If you go to our Facebook page, you can see that you know I think we have a picture with our T shirt and hair uh, Supply. Um, Frederiki. Fr- 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 was it Frederiki? Um,
2: Federico Viti? No.
1: Yeah. Well, we have one. Oh, of Craig
2: Federighi. Fr- 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 yeah. Federighi. Yeah, yeah. On our Facebook. Air Force page. One. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I got to see Cherry Gailey movie just before we recorded today. Which one? Oh, yeah. How did that, how did that go? Uh, the Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Just one night only, tonight, and tonight's the night. So, yeah. Across North America, it's it's, premier, it's basically one night only. And it was actually sold out. Remember I said I thought maybe 30 people would show up? It was sold out, and they actually opened another theater to show, to have a second screening, right? Or two screens at the same time. And they had a little um, making of, at the end of it, right? The best part is, uh, after the initial trailer t- title's run, it says, And Now, and it says, you know, 25 years in the making. Which is the joke, right? So of course I got a good laugh out of the out of the whole crowd. It's actually pretty good. It's an it's an interesting story. I mean, um I don't I think I'm safe in saying it's not his best movie, but uh but it it's it's got its moment, it's pretty funny. It's it's and it's all over the place, typical Terry Gilliam kind of stuff, right? So So what would you say it.
0: is his best movie?
1: Um I'm a big... F- I like time travel, so I'm a big fan of 12 Monkeys. Brazil is probably my favorite movie and, and Time Bandits, I think, it's probably... So those are probably the top three. I would say Time Bandits is my favorite Terry Gilliam movie, uh, Brazil, and then uh, and then probably 12 Monkeys. What do you uh, think?
0: Somewhere I read that Apple t- that Apple's programming, that they're planning, is going to actually bring in a Time Bandits series.
1: Yes, it's true. Yeah, they, they honey, reported that on SparkCast two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not terribly thrilled about that, but, you know... Well,
0: the director just yeah. the guy from Ragnarok, and he's he's funny and crazy.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't, and so I don't think time bad, it was time. Bad as it wasn't Terry Gilliam's story, right? Like Brazil was, and I think Twelve Monkeys was. You can tell the ones that Fisher King is another one I think that Terry Gilliam was was responsible for. Oh, Jabberwocky! I gotta say, Jabberwocky is one of oh, yeah. my favorite movies too. Right, so it's just ridiculous. And I, I went, to, so it turned out I went to the theater and, and another friend of mine who I you know frequently run into on a regular basis, Annie Hart, uh, who doesn't listen. to the show or any of our podcasts, surprisingly. But uh, I into, ran into her in the theater, and so we sat with her and a, and a friend of hers, and we had a like, good chat about Star Trek and uh, podcasts and stuff like that before we before the show began. But um, why am I telling you this? Uh, oh, she said she's never seen Jabberwocky, right? So I, her homework assignment was to go and watch that. So I, I like the ridiculousness of that. It's sort of, you know, our sensibility of how ridiculous the Middle Ages were, you know, kind of thing. You agree, you don't agree, disagree. It's been a long time since there. I've seen it. Oh, it just came out on Blue Right. And go buy buy a copy or
0: rent yeah. it on your favorite streaming service.
1: That's true. You could do that too. Do you rent movies on iTunes? I do. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, it I gives me know, that.
0: It try. gives me that blockbuster feel of of right. I don't have to commit to this thing. Yeah. But then again, I still have a I still have a, a preteen, so I don't get out to cinema as much as I want to, unless it's like for the major big blockbuster that I know I'm going to get out to.
1: Right. Have you seen Captain Marvel?
0: Oh yeah, that was one of the yes. major big blockbusters that I was out there on opening weekend for.
1: Yeah, that's, that's just because of the blockbuster reference, right? So
0: well, that one just broke billion, did it? Yeah, it's so now I, I w- think number seven.
1: So we did see oh. Shazam last week, and I, I do highly recommend you go see Shazam. Really? Yeah, 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 it was. It's interesting. I mean, it's not. It's not Shakespeare, right? Uh, but it's not Pacific Rim either. By that s- same token, Tommy uh, t- um, knows how I feel about uh, Pacific Rim. But I've never actually made it through an entire Pacific Rim b- movie. But um, it, it's it's got some really good humor. I mean, it's it was PG, right? So it, it's not you know, like imagine a 15 year old kid is all of a sudden transformed into this buff, you know, adult, you know, and, and what two kids would do with that. Right. Like, so they start making mm-hmm. YouTube videos about all the, the, they have these trials to see what kind of, what kind of skills the superhero has. Right. And of course there's a scene where they, they go to the beer store to, uh, to buy beer. Right. <laughs> you know, and the kids never bought beer. Yeah. And the two of them get the beer and they both spit it out as soon as they taste it. Right. But, yeah. Yeah and there's you know there's one scene I'm not really spoiling it for you but there's one scene where uh, I think it's at the beer store where the, a couple of people come in to rob the store while they're in there and and the one the regular kid looks at the at the Shazam and or at Captain Marvel and says kind of says, gives him the head nod like go go, take care of that and he's like oh yeah sure okay and he runs over and he goes you, stop that and sort of they start, they shoot him right with a gun and the bullet just bounces off him and they're like oh you have bullet immunity right and so, shoot him again shoot him again and so they start <laughs> the, the two criminals are shooting him and then he's like well wait a minute you only shot him in the chest you, you know where he's covered up with his, with his, his uh, uniform or his suit or whatever right shoot him in the face <laughs> and the entire audience goes no Right. <laughs> but it's all that kind of stuff, that that kind of like, you know, a 15 year old, let's see if this works kind of stuff. Right.
0: Childlike wonder.
1: It is, it is. It's, it's a very, and of course they have a, they open up a YouTube channel They start publishing all their little videos of, of him and stuff like that. So it's actually, it's actually pretty funny. And it's in the same universe as the other DC, uh, DC, uh, people. So it's not, it's not, they're not in it per se. Like other, there's no other, um, other than Captain Marvel related stuff. That's all I'm going to say. But, uh, yeah, because you know, there's obviously a, a, um, an evil guy. What do you call those guys? A nemesis, right? But, uh, yeah.
0: Sadly, all I could get out to see in the past week, and I was up in Canada again, was uh, I think it's called Wonder Park or Wonderland, oh, which was the animated feature about a little girl who designs an amusement park and then has to save it. And then she basically loses faith in it and stops thinking about the amusement park and then finds herself in the amusement park trying to save it from the, the darkness of it being abandoned.
1: Oh, okay.
0: It Mm. so wanted to be a Pixar movie and it just missed on a couple of things. It suffered from the same problem as Tomorrowland. It had such a great idea and such potential and they had to cut corners in so many places to make a simple movie that it, it, it lost some of its potential depth
1: right right mm. but i mean
0: the seven and the eight-year-old who came along loved it so it, it fit its audience
1: right 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 interesting hmm. that whole your your son is oh no this is with the girls oh the girl oh the, the girlfriend's kids okay cool. nice all
2: right indeed i have some, So, my one learning if i can take anything from the uk just mm-hmm. briefly because mm-hmm. uh, i have this page open so the word pudding is so fraught with potential pitfalls over there because it, it could mean like i would expect you know like nice, yeah yeah, sweet dessert you know pudding kind of creamy type dessert it could be the generic term for dessert as an alternative yes you know. right yeah kind of pudding would you like oh I'd yeah. like some cake oh okay um and uh, to my surprise uh black pudding yes yeah i should have googled oh, but did it you is try distinctly is distinctly not uh a sweet pudding nor is it a dessert yeah so <laughs> you tried it for the speakers oh. for the speakers dinner they had like oh you know choose these things and i, I had chosen it uh some time ago and I, I i didn't even think to google i was like oh it's a little weird that a starter is a is a pudding but maybe it's like you know euphemism like oh that. you know maybe it's like 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 gravy on mashed potatoes or something uh but no for those of you who have not looked on the interwebs uh this is made from pork blood with mm-hmm. pork fat or beef suet any cereal usually oatmeal oat groats or barley groats and commonly includes herbs such as penny royal right so it was uh it, it, when uh, uh, one of the locals saw that i had like did you order black pudding i was like yeah why what, what's in it I'm like i'm not going to tell you <laughs> like, why'd you even bring it up then <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, i would have been better off not knowing what it was and i thought it was something horrible but it's not it tastes pretty good i don't know that i would go out of my way to go like yeah, you have it by again. itself,
1: or you had it with eggs and bacon and breakfast? Or something? It
2: was. Oh, what was it? A It was like on a bed of egg.
1: Yeah, were there and, baked
2: beans? There baked beans? I don't think. No, no. The one I had did not have baked beans. I'd have to see. Maybe I got a picture of it and yeah. see. It's funny, you but know, that you say
1: that because we used to, in my family when I growing up, we used to call dinner, dessert pudding, like you said, right? And, and it's kind of I guess after I've met, lived with all these Canadian girls over the years, you know, they they know what we call it dessert now, right? But yeah, i forgot about pudding. And yeah, we used to have black pudding for with our with our cereal or sorry with our breakfast on sunday mornings is you know we'd have like a fried tomato and egg and bacon and toast and and a bit of black pudding but not you know not a lot of it right so yeah it's definitely acquired taste
0: it took me years to understand the line you can't have your meat you can't have your pudding until you've had your meat
1: right oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) really okay yeah no it's yeah that's that's where the line comes from for sure so i got it right away because of course being
0: (laughs) you had had the unfair advantage
1: Yes. The unfair advantage of, of being born in Britain. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the, the other thing I discovered, or well, one, I, I mean, it's, I feel like it could have been show topic, but um, Apple Pay is like 10 times better over there than it is here in the United States. Oh, really? And it is not because of Apple Pay per se, but the fact that they have contactless payments just about everywhere you go meant that I I never had to use cash. I never had to use yeah. my actual credit card. I was just like, oh, yeah. Go up to Canada. To Canada's to got it wired
0: as well as, as yeah, uh, Pretty much. Yeah. Every time I go to Canada, I've, my wallet barely comes out. It's it's all off my watch.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. It was- sweet. And I ended up buying uh, a Manchester City um, uh, soccer scarf uh, from a street vendor. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this as a memento, it was a souvenir. And this is the one time I had to use cash. And I had no clue how much anything was in terms of you know change I should be getting back because, as it turns out, the vendor made a mistake. He did it in my favor, but I had uh, I had this scarf that they wanted eight pounds. I was like, all right, well, I've got a 20 pound bill. Yeah, I'm a 20 pound bill. And I would expect, oh, okay, it's going to be 12 pounds, right? So he gives me eight 10 pound adorable little bill and then he gives me a one pound coin so that's 11 pounds so far and then he gives me three coins each of which are 50 pence okay and i don't know i'm like oh i I thought pence were like pennies you'd have a hundred of them for a dollar i guess not maybe it's like three or four like i'm not sure how much is in here yeah yeah i looked up i was like wait a minute he gave me 50 extra pence oh really Hmm. like he cheated himself because he gave me the, the full 12 and then he gave me an extra 50.
1: so back in the day um british money was all sort of like weird. I can't, I can't even remember they had pence and they had farthings and a bunch of other things, but, shillings they, but then stuff. they went, yeah, shillings, but then they went to the sort of metric, uh, numbering like we have. Right. So in Canada and the United States, stop yelling at your phones, Brits, but you know, yeah, we have, so we have those, some of those old coins in our collections, you
2: know, their, their money is, is like, like if you took American money and washed it together with Canadian money, mm-hmm. I find that like your guys's bills are more, um, they're like brighter colored for sure. and, uh, more plasticky. Well, or more yeah, polymer-y. those are re-
1: recent, recent bills, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and theirs have a lot of polymer stuff in it, so it feels very different from American money. Oh, but really? it Okay, yeah. kind of has a texture and color that's more muted than the Canadian-style money. Yeah, and it, the, the
1: bills are different sizes, right? There's different sizes, like a 20 is bigger than a 10 and so on and so forth, right?
2: I, I only have two different kinds of bills because I went to the ATM, so I only have a 20, which is pretty big, and a 10, which is adorably small. It looks like it's for small children. Okay, <laughs> it's it's like like you could not possibly confuse those two. So how much is twenty
1: pounds in American dollars?
2: Uh, are uh, we talking figuring like, for Brexit or not? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, when I was there, it was like a dollar thirty per pound, so oh, okay. it was okay. like thirty yeah. percent. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's gone up and down. It's different things like over the years.
2: So
0: the coins out of Britain are really kind of interesting because I think if you have one of each coin, you can actually the uh, the latest mint you can actually make a shield out of the patterns on the coins.
2: Oh, really. Hmm. Interesting. Falling up here, it looks like it's still the same rate. Hopefully, a dollar thirty-one to one pound sterling. So, did
1: you fly into like Heathrow and then up to, or did you fly into Manchester?
2: Flew into Manchester. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, a little further away. Chester is a uh, largely a university town. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is other stuff around it, but like it's so clear that so much is predicated on the presence of the University of Chester. And I got to see the the cathedral and walk around and see a little bit of the castle stuff and the walls that are still up there hmm. around the city and uh, seen claimed, Roman stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, a Roman amphitheater. A lot of the architecture over there. Um, I think one of the like satellite campuses for the University of Chester has like a Roman Parthenon column sort of thing out front. Hmm. Uh, and people claim this to be true, but I obviously was not going to like try, and I didn't look it up. But they say that, oh, if you're on the walls at midnight and a Welshman comes up, you can still legally shoot them with a bow and arrow or <laughs> some other like <laughs> archaic law that never actually came off the books really? from, from the old days. Nice. The
0: laws nice. are your friends. There's so many things that you can find on different books. I'm pretty sure in the city of Pittsburgh, you still can't walk your cow on the sidewalk after dark.
2: Really? Yeah. <laughs> right. From, from like uh the 1800s or something <clears throat> yeah <laughs> So I'm looking up some of these things here. So I didn't realize Terry Gilliam did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which I noticed yeah, was not on your yeah, list. Yeah,
1: that was that was one where he he, he did, wasn't the original director of it. And he he
2: took on the project later on, right? So yeah. And looking up the Oak Ridge Boys, <laughs> according to Google, <laughs> according to Google, I mean just based on like the thing it shows in their discography on the little right hand side panel, it says here songs. The first one on the list is from 1981, Elvira. They
0: actually just Might recently had a cover of that. that with an acapella group called home free they're a country acapella group that covered the song with them really good remix of the song and i'm not a country music fan
2: well let's see here oh they're they're still on tour mm-hmm. so it says tour dates oh what, what just happened my <clears> tour <throat> dates uh coming up friday april 12th in saint joseph missouri i mean they're not 17. playing
0: huge venues anymore but uh, elvira was their huge song and uh their recent cover of it with the uh, with the acapella group's fantastic
2: wow I'll have to check that out I'll have to check out the video of that oh it's on Apple Music too never mind I'll listen to my HomePod
1: (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah I'm reading this book like a comic book I don't think it's it's ever been opened properly
0: (laughs) what is that the Macintosh (laughs) the old Macintosh manual
2: yeah yeah should be using, like, acid-free gloves and stuff. I'll have to remember Sorry.
0: to pack the Apple one that I, I posted so you can take a look at it so you can see all of the hardware specs in it.
2: Sure. I was saying, Tim, you should be using, like, archival-quality acid-free gloves to yeah, touch that yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ooh, look at some... Some of these illustrations are pretty cool. I've seen, I've seen this before because there's a, there's a website where somebody documents it. But you know how you read comic books where you just barely open them at, like, 20 degrees?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, Jonathan's got all the comic books and stuff. I'm sure he has gear that can help you preserve that thing. Yeah. Oh, I have a... I
1: I an Ikea Ziploc bag, and it's gone into as soon as it arrived, you know? Yeah, you want the acid-free
0: instead of the Ziploc, because that's plastic is treated so it won't flake the paper. Oh, okay. I used to collect comics.
1: Yeah, and Jonathan's got a lifetime supply of comics.
0: If you really want to go crazy, you get the acid-free bags, and you get a backing board so it doesn't run the risk of getting folded.
1: Right, right. Yes, we're familiar with the process.
0: I haven't quite got my son onto this yet. He just hasn't quite bitten onto the comic book craze. hmm I have faith.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess it's a little different now because they're they're definitely not as cheap um, and like disposable as they once were. You don't just you know mm-hmm. find them at the local drugstore. They're significantly higher priced. They tend to be collected in graphic novels, and it almost feels like the the best way of anything nowadays to get into that would be to have one of those all you can eat subscriptions to like DC or Marvel comics.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been doing the Marvel one to catch up on some old books and and look through some of the the old old things that I used to read.
1: Well, this is pretty cool. I like it because it explains the whole desktop metaphor and how to use a mouse and back in the early, early days oh yeah, of computing. Yeah. So it's a little wrinkly and beat up on the back, but it like, like, but it's clean, you know, like not, not well loved. I mean, well loved, I guess, or just lived in somebody's drawer for
2: all these years, right? I,
1: I also have a Picasso light as well. You, you've seen those ones? No, no, I don't
2: think I know what you're talking about. So
1: when when the Mac first came out, they gave all the dealers like a you know you know how you take a piece of glass and you etch the etch a design into it and you light it from the edge, right? Yep. So it's the, the Picasso drawing that's the original Macintosh logo Ooh. in a glass thing that's about like twelve inches high or so. Yeah, bought one of those on eBay years and years ago. Some it'll be worth something. <laughs> you know what I mean, it is kind of worth something now. I can't remember what I paid, but it wasn't wasn't inexpensive, but it wasn't ridiculous.
2: Maybe you need to start like a, a YouTube craze. Just create a fake video where you take one of those, not a real one of course, mm-hmm. and you like say, Oh, it's the smash this thing challenge <laughs> <laughs> See if you can convince people. Yeah. <laughs> Share it in the Apple community, see if people will destroy theirs and yours will go up in value.